Duke Review, episode 26, I think, 26. Um, I have a lot to, um, I don't know where to start. Yesterday we were in the, we were eating sushi in the mall before we saw a movie and there was a woman who was sitting next to us in kind of the this weird um just this these random tables in the middle of this mall and uh she was just talking to her friend like ceaselessly and she had so much information and uh she was talking about kind of her business and how to apply um, like retina like serum or something and it was so abrasive and I was just like get a podcast you need it I think that like I I uh, that's one thing that doing this having this output each week I, I no longer need to talk at people so, so intensely um in my day-to-day life um there's some people that you just have too much information in your head and you need to um offload it and uh i think that that woman would benefit just the, the need to just get these things off your chest, regardless of how many people are hearing them um, or who's hearing them, whatever. There's just a lot to be. You can't burden someone with so much info. And I think there's um, people like me or, or maybe that woman that, um, you know, we just it, it, it builds and builds and builds. Um, so just fucking get a podcast is is what I was uh, I thought that was so funny and uh, anyway you you just have the freedom with these things to to go on about whatever you need to go on about and you don't have to burden um, the people in your life about it necessarily um, because you know it, it can be a lot on that note, um, working on these videos that I've been doing on top of this podcast, which effectively is also just another video. Um, and one thing I spent the kind of the, this morning getting, feel like I'm getting to the bottom of it. Um, I think one kind of roadblock that I've uh, not a whatever one thing I've been trying to figure out is the perspective of making a video so um, there's first person you know telling um, it from your own perspective there's the second person there's the third person and the third person on a there's all these different perspectives you can tell a story from this we know figuring 
out where you fit into that when it comes to YouTubing, essentially, and when it comes to to um, writing, they're different genres. And you don't just have to be, you know, if you're if you're a fiction writer and you only ever write from third person omniscient, or you you know, it doesn't mean you always have to do that. You also have books where maybe it's first person or second person, whatever. You get to play with that. But um, I think what I didn't realize in the in the way of video was which uh, type of narration that I was speaking from on this podcast. It's um, pretty clear. I, I'm talking um, very much from the first person and it's very based in reality. The there's other kinds of YouTube videos, more of the instructional type where it's based in reality still, but it's second person. It's a lot more talking to the the audience with a particular goal in mind. Um, and it's scripted, whereas this is unscripted. Um, and it's more edited, whereas the podcast is more unedited. So it's di they're different that way. So here's the, the paradigm I've drawn. I know this is going to get really tangled really fast. And in fact, it's a brand new idea. I literally just feel like I've sorted out merely one hour ago. <laughs> um, and uh, there's probably some some kinks in this plan. But basically, here's the paradigms. There's fiction, and there's reality. So right now, this podcast is in reality mode, right? Like, I'm, I'm a real person talking from my own voice. I'm being as much me as I um, am capable of being with a microphone and a camera in front of my face. So it's fiction, sorry, <laughs> it's reality and it's, um, and it's improv. Those are the categories. Then there's the uh, doing a YouTube um, more or less instructional video. A lot of the YouTube videos we see are, um, are edited and they're based in reality. So I did a, a video about my writing process. It's very heavily edited, but it's also based in reality. So that's a different, it's, it feels very different than this podcast. Two different, two different voices. I'm, I think I'm, I'm more myself in the podcast, whereas in those videos where I'm, uh, talking about my, say my writing process or anything on YouTube, I'm less myself. I'm less comfortable. I'm like having to act in a little bit of a way. So they're not necessarily as good, but there's, but the information is more potent. So it's, and it's a different, it's almost a different character. Then there's the, um, the edited fiction and that's something like the animations that i've put out to so far um and those are totally based in fictions there's no reality all, at all and they're hyper edited so any kind of story that we um that we write whatever 
is based is is like that. Um, this week I put out the Blue Nile um, animated short film, and um, that was really great. Um, I felt so re- more relieved putting that out and more proud and more good about it than any of the other videos by far. And the view count is way higher. There's like 150 or something like that um, on on that, whereas some of the other ones are getting like 10 or like 30. So it's pretty cool to see like which types of videos that I'm making are getting more views and which aren't. This is all part of the kind of the experiment. And how I'm categorizing these videos is through the types of narration. The last type of narration that I um, have been working in is essentially um, the me trying to um, me pretending to be normal. <laughs> this is like the vlog. This is like when you take a camera and you're like, hey, I'm living my life. This is how um, I see the world and this is me and I'm eating dinner right now. And it's like, you know, the diary, it's a diary entry with in video form. So it's heavily edited and it's based in reality. So what I've realized is there's basically f- four different um, voices that I've been working from. Um, and what the last video I was, I'm working, the one I'm working on now, is I'm trying to figure out how do I essentially combine all of these things. And I've done it a little bit without necessarily realizing it. But in the, when I was doing my writing this morning, just my like free writing journaling exercise, I really f- feel like I, I'm like, oh shit, I think I get it. So how the, the question is, when I have like a cartoon, like the Blue Nile, there's this, there's like a certain voice that I'm writing from. It's a omniscient third person, edited, um, scripted voice. I'm not even I'm not on camera. It has nothing to do with me. Um, you know, I'm I'm not there. Then there's the podcast now where I'm entirely there and it's not scripted and it's totally improvised. Those are the two um, uh, spectrum. That's that's the whole spectrum. Those are the extremes. Now, how do I uh, find ways to start to overlap those things? Because I feel like that's always my... Um, I have a, a strong desire to do that, to find a way that those things overlap the more they overlap, I feel like that's where the growth is, and that's how, um, that's how I become a better writer. It's by finding ways that those things can overlap, uh, and um, and everything between, and then those subgenres I was also talking about. So, um, the next YouTube video, essentially, what I'm trying to do is, um write from all those different points of view and create a, a three-act structure through those four points of view as the characters, essentially interacting with one another without being 
um, to fucking, um, <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's the fun I'm having right now. So, um, so that's what it is. Um, let's jump into the posts and I think on the note of, um, everything I was just explaining, I've been, uh, the posts this week were a lot more reality first person based. Whereas in weeks past, many weeks past, it was all very like, let's write fictional cartoon abstract kind of stories in uh with all with these posts and now it's i let myself in the last little bit move into more it's almost like more diary more journal entry type um posts uh for for these things so here we go first one the title is Quitting Fiction. I haven't been too interested in writing made-up stories lately. But really, the impulse to return. The, the impulse will return. There's a mistake already. Let me start again. I haven't been too interested in writing made-up stories lately. But really, the impulse will return. It always does. We bought a baby stroller off some woman online today. It cost us $80. New, it costs $500. I have a sneeze coming up. But it's going away. Oh, God. Okay. Too much reality. We bought a baby stroller off some woman online today. It costs us $80. New, it costs $500. The woman we bought it off seemed very kind and used it for three kids already. We brought it home and messed around with it in the garage. It seems like it will be good for us. We're trying to decide how we will spell the baby's name. If there should be an H at the end or not. I don't think the H is necessary, but my wife likes it. I told her that if our daughter has, if our daughter wants the H, I will take her and we can get it legally changed. I'm putting it in writing here. So there's no going back on it. When you write something down, it's real. That's how it works. Now that I've quit fiction. Um, so I think, um, my, something about having the baby on the way and, and I don't know the way that stories feel, um, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen about when I start having to like read stories or tell stories to our kid. And I've spent so many years like making up like cartoon random stories. That's kind of my main like, you know, thing in life. And then 
now it's almost like the ultimate test or something. I'm like, am I going to have to be really good at that um, for the kid? Or like, what if, like, <laughs> it's weird. Or, and, and the stories that I write, I'm like, am I going to start wanting to write like children's content a lot? Um, I'm almost like, I feel insecure about um, the potential of becoming a children's author as inspired by my uh you know incoming baby or something um but i think that has turned into me writing all this really kind of naturalistic reality journal stuff as well um because that was something i really wouldn't have done before um so it's super straightforward and it and and it leaves me no room to really comment on it in the podcast form and that's a bit of like i guess the give and take is is that um the right now i'm in hyper reality mode reality improv mode and i'm reading a piece of writing that's edited and also reality so I feel like there's less for me to comment on because those genres of narration are very close to one another. But when the posts are more um, uh, edited and fiction based, the farther away from the farther they are from each other on that spectrum, the um, the more I have to comment on. The more there's there, the more there is to reconcile between those two things. Um, that's that's really interesting, actually. So, um, yeah, food for thought as as usual. So that's quitting fiction. Okay, I got one next called aiming for a meaningless outcome. I keep deleting what I've written. The momentum is off for some reason. I've been lost in a fantasy about quitting fiction writing. A fantasy is an attempt to augment our reality. It is a way of reconciling the anxiety of the moment. The idea of quitting fiction writing is a fantasy and a fiction in itself. The question I would ask, as usual, is what is the fiction trying to reconcile whether it is a wish fulfillment or an attempt to organize the world into something understandable there's no real need to quit but i'm learning to allow myself to write here like i do in my journal regardless of if it is boring i don't know why i resisted it but it seems refreshing. It is important to write the truth, whether it is fiction or not. The outcome of it all will define itself. For now, it's best for it to remain meaningless. So, um, you know, this I make this comment every single week that I do this, where I have a bunch of preamble 
and then I read what I've written in the week, and then I have some more preamble, and I read what I've written, and it's literally just repeating. Uh, I re I I really just said all of this stuff in the in the preamble, and then now it's appeared again in something I wrote last Monday. So this tr this train of thought, this is something I feel like is a little hard to um, to really grasp, I guess. And it feels almost like a little superstitious or a little like magical th uh, thinking. But it, but I just see it happen over and over again. Is that to have when you're when you're talking in in normal time, like I am right now, just regular conversation. Uh, the pace of that, you have a train of thought, and sometimes it feels really sporadic, and you're like going to lose it. And what if I don't? You know, there's a momentum to it, um, and that's fine, and that's that's what we're used to. That's how it feels to to live normally. But the one that you can't grasp as much is the one that happens over over time, I guess. And I see it when I look at what I wrote one day, and then I look at what I wrote the next day, and I never I don't look back from the one before. But my train of thought is the same, even if it happens in real time pacing one after another, or if it happens um, with a day in between. If the pace is a lot slower, one day at a time, the content is actually the same. Our writing, when you write from your imagination, um, or really I think at all, it's like it has its own memory that that is in your subconscious that you're not, that you're truly not aware of. I just feel like that's true, and this is, I prove that to myself each each um, each week that your your subconscious seems to go. It seems to be more linear than I think I would assume that it is. Here's another. Here's a really weird. Um, I guess observation and I'd be curious to know if there was other people that like had this uh, happen to them as well but what I find is that so I go through like huge phases of wanting to play the guitar or playing the guitar and even there's been times where I won't pick up that instrument for like a year but there's something that happens that the moment I do pick it up, even after a year, I, I seem to start going back to literally the same melodies and kind of like chord progressions or whatever that I left off at a year earlier. You don't just start from zero. You just kind of pick up to where the train of thought was the last time you were there, even if a year has passed or a long, long time. And uh, and I always thought that was kind of creepy and kind of weird, but I definitely noticed it. It's kind of the, maybe what they call muscle memory or something. It just kind of, but it, it has a, a growth to it. It's like, it has a natural, um, like it's learning and it's building on what it already knew. And it's the same with these the, this writing is that you, pick I just pick up where I left off the day before 
even without a refresher, even without realizing it. I think that's really true. So I guess what it's really about is learning and, and developing our, our perspectives and opinions. It's like, you can really like the more you, um, sit down and develop and and just write out and process and play the instrument or do the thing that is actually proof of getting better. Um, uh, I have a lot of self doubt that sometimes, sometimes I think that I'm not, not getting better at what I do and I'm actually getting worse the more I work on something. Um, but, uh, but clearly that's untrue. Um, on that note as well, and let's see if the next post just happens to explain this for me, but, um, having finished the, that, the blue Nile, that, that animation and putting it onto YouTube, um, and I'd worked on that. I'd been actually been working on a versions of that story for like years, not in this exact iteration, of course, but like the feeling of what that project was like has gone through so many different variations. It was a, it was a pilot script. It was a feature. It was trying to be a novel. It was trying to be a novella. And then it, you know, finally I was able to say what I wanted to say in this cartoon version that, that I put out and I'm, and I'm very happy with it and feel very like, yes, that is, that was the thing. That was where that kind of like, that's what I wanted to say, and I didn't really understand how for, for a long time. Um, you'd probably just watch it and think I was just making it up on the spot, and it was all ridiculous and whatever, because that's the genre of it. But <laughs> the truth is, yeah, I spent years trying to sort out, sort those thoughts out in some way or another. Um, but what I noticed was the moment that, not the moment, but I released it, and I was really, really excited for like, 24 hours like I was just felt I was on a huge high which you know you don't get that high when you just write a little post like the one I just read you just do it and it's like cool good it's just exercise you don't get these massive highs I'm like oh like that's I, I said it I said the thing and I did it and I made this project that's um you know I should probably just do a whole nother deep dive genre breakdown into the difference of I got to go on a tangent here. Bear with me. Um, okay, hold on. I'm going to put this on a post-it note. So, tangent is the payoff. This is something I want to explore. The level of payoff for something you worked on really fast like just a quick sketch is like maybe a 10 whatever it's like there is the payoff is very small first sketch and then there's like the payoff the maximum payoff like the when you feel really good is something that you spent hours and days perfecting and working on and you call that like um i don't know it's just like something else whatever it's like doing an outline for a of a drawing on a canvas or on a piece of paper and then a full like oil painting on a canvas um you know the full painting and the real and the the payoff the emotional kind of excitement and payoff is so much higher when you work on it longer um if you can finish it and if you can get there 
sometimes you don't and you fail and it sucks. Um, so anyway, that's a big thing that I've been playing with too, with this whole, you know, all of the logs, the blog and vlog and making these like shitty fast videos. The payoff is, um, is less when you just blurt it out and do it instead of really thinking it through and spending a lot of time on it. Sub tangent to that tangent. Last week on the podcast, I was talking a lot about the the triangle of good, cheap, fast. And I was at, I was like, I don't know what the other, I want to change the good category. And um, I tried making a video of it. I, I actually made a whole video of, of um, figuring out the next, a way to change it. Um, but it just didn't, I didn't like the video. I was like, I don't know, this just seems like kind of garbagey to me. And so I scrapped it and started working on this other thing that led me to the narration thing um, that I was talking about earlier. But the word that I figured out instead of good is unique. So here's the concept again. Um, so things can be good. What the saying goes, it can be good, cheap, and fast. And what I'm saying is that it's really hard to um, try to make something good because it's just the metric is, is fucked. So instead, changing the word good to unique. So you, things can be unique, fast, uh, uh, or cheap. Pick two. Um, and so examples are, if it's unique and fast, it means um, that it's not going to be cheap. So you're going to like a specialty store when it's unique and fast. Uh, or you're getting it custom built, unique and fast, not cheap. It's not the cheapest option. If you want it to be fast and cheap, um, you go to a big box store. You go to Walmart, you know, it's but it's not unique at all. It's a carbon copy. You get it off the Amazon's Choice, off Amazon Mass Produced. Uh, it's cheap and it's fast, um, but not unique. And then the last option is um, you want it cheap and unique. That means you do it yourself. Um, or maybe you go to a thrift store and you sort through, you know, hundreds of different of, different shirts until you find one that's cheap and unique but it was not fast you spent all day in there um, looking for the the most unique item so that's to me that makes a lot more sense is the word unique instead of the word good the way I got to that unique idea was thinking about Harold Bloom's Western canon um, and how he talked about for things to enter the canon, to be canon, they had to be novel. And it, meaning they had to be um, unique enough that there was nothing, um, that it was a true innovation, that it wasn't, there wasn't some, a precedent before it that 
um, basically did what it already did. So it had to do something uh, new. But the word novel, I mean, it works a lot when you use it in that sense, but it's just not really as ubiquitous uh, or, or not, not, not as colloquial. I'm, I'm, why am I saying so many? Uh, I'm, I'm embarrassed by those using the, all those big words in, in a bit, but I suppose, um, it, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's not a common word to say, um, to say novel. I think that could get mixed up, but unique, I thought made more sense. It was more a specific word. So that was my thinking there. And then here was the extended kind of, um, part was that all th- Three of those options, fast and cheap, fast and unique, cheap and fast, if that's all three of them, there's three options. Those are all ways of doing something good. Um, they're, they're all, they all serve a purpose. Uh, at, at one time or another, you'll need them. So those are, they're all fine. You just have to pick a method it works for you for whatever you're trying to accomplish and then there you go that's that's fine so sometimes there's a time and place for it listen i need the amazon's choice thing i need it tomorrow and i don't have time to go to the store and i don't want to spend any money on it and i just need it it's like great other times you know there's they're all good for different different purposes um so they're all ways of being good when something transcends good and it becomes great it Basically, it's all three of those things. I think you could make an argument that what I'm saying is that this part maybe is untrue. I feel like I, I would need to think it through more. But but bear with me in thinking that if all three of those things occur, you have some, it transcends good and it's great. If you try to, to do something that's um, great and you try to make it good, if you try to make it unique, cheap, and fast, then it won't end up being great. And it won't end up being good. It'll end up being garbage. Um, and that's something I feel like that's the perfectionist kind of paralysis by analysis trap that, that we often fall into. So, so my advice, and I think what works for me, is that um, you need to um only try to be good do the use the pick two method and that's enough and and then in retrospect when you look back every once in a while you'll see okay that was something that one really worked or like out of you know i made x amount of youtube videos and okay one of them got 10 times the amount of views than the others there was something about it and it was also the most satisfying one to make. So I'm like, aha, like I set out to, to, I didn't, I set out for that video to be the same as all the other ones, but it just had a spark. It kind of caught fire. I spent way more time working on it. Um, I used a lot more source material for it. I felt really relieved when it was done and people seemed to watch it a lot more. Whereas um, the, the other ones, like you know it wasn't as good but only looking back are you able to see that so that's that's kind of my my overarching advice um and i think that when i just took that post-it note and wrote down this idea for payoff so going back 
uh, towards the surface in this tangent um, subcategory I've taken us down into. I think that that's the amendment that I would maybe want to add to that video I was working on last week that I thought was trash, but somehow I think I still want to keep working on it. Um, so I'll figure it out. Anyway, um, what's the time code on my recording right now? It's 36. I'm going to just mark that down because I might steal this, what I was just talking about, and put it into that video and try to break it down and explain it more. But anyway, um, let us return back to what I was talking about. And yeah, so aiming for a meaningless outcome. It really, it's all summed up in the post. Um, <laughs> okay, our date, February 14th. Okay. For Valentine's Day, we went to Five Guys Burger Restaurant. We ate some peanuts while we waited for them to cook our burger and fries. There are limited refills there. We had Diet Coke and iced tea. We had a good time there, and I'd look forward to, go to going back one day. Afterward, we went to some other stores. We looked at some baby clothes. We bought a new shower curtain. We bought quail eggs for our cat. It was a good way to spend the evening. Usually we don't go out on Tuesdays, but we had a full tank of gas and it was Valentine's Day. So we thought we'd make the most of our date. This, the one thing that I feel like I should have written, but I didn't because uh, I don't know why, maybe I was, it didn't seem right at the time, but I, I'm like, there was part of this when we, there was a guy that uh, I think was trying to uh, rob um, Winners, the clothing store. And he was like, there was like, I don't know, four or five people like surrounding him and they had him like his face like into the carpet on the ground and they were like holding him down and he's like, he had no shoes on and I kept seeing his like his feet were like, kept like trying to squirm out of the grip and they were like going on the rug and um and they were handcuffing him i think one of the security guards had handcuffs and so they were actively handcuffing this guy and uh i don't know it was just like this added like sketchiness to to the whole situation and i guess <laughs> as far as like the tone of the poem about valentine's day and going to having such a normal like night it's like this married life kind of um it's such a it's such a non-special um valentine's day that it makes it very special i think that's what we love about we've done that a few times for valentine's day is like just like we had our valentine's day dinner once at um at a costco you know uh, in the in the diner there in Vancouver when we were visiting and we were just like eating Costco French fries while there was like a, a Vancouver Canucks game going on and everyone was 
it was just like swarming with people. It was the most, it was so unromantic that it became romantic. And that seems to be our Valentine's Day tradition. Um, but I should have included the bit about the guy who was getting arrested for trying to steal um, whatever he was trying to steal. Um, and I, actually, that's a complete assumption. I, I guess I just thought, okay, guy in it, putting handcuffs on guy outside of winners, like probably he was trying to steal something, but maybe he wasn't. That was all, uh, I made that up actually. So anyway, it was really nice. Um, despite me, I guess, but despite the irony, like it, um, it was, it was very sweet. And, uh, the quail eggs, that's what it was. We got these little quail eggs. Um, it's a little tiny egg, and it's been the best cat treat. Um, you get a whole box of them. I think there's like, I don't know, 28 or something. Like There's a lot of those little ones. It's like $4. And it's the perfect size to give the cat. And you can put it in his food, or you can just give it to him on its own. But he really likes it. And I feel like the, um, uh, the giving him more protein like better protein calms him down when he eats the food that isn't like you know more cheap and fast food more just like from the bag of kibble um we try to buy we don't buy the best kibble but we don't buy the the cheapest one either but i'm like you can i feel like i can see the difference in his in his mood and he 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 calms down He's ready to go to bed in a real way more so when he gets that real protein. And I think that makes sense from all my little cat researching adventures. So um, if you got a cat, try buy some quail eggs and, uh, you know, they, they might like it. It might be good for them. A sincere congrats. Ah, yes. Today... I finished working on my cartoon. I think that it is, the, it is the best thing I've ever done. I've never given a sincere bow before until today. Of all the years of feeling like I couldn't get it right, this one works. I was able to say what I wanted. I was able to be myself. It is not that often I feel as proud as I do of this cartoon. So I'll take a moment to give myself a pat on the back and a sincere congrats. Good work, buddy. You did it. I've been trying to make a cartoon like this since I was a kid. I will look forward to sharing it online soon. Yeah. Um, I, when I wrote that, I was feeling overwhelmed with... Um, with happiness and and I and all of that is very true um, yeah it was really nice because you spend a lot of days feeling the opposite and really beating yourself up and really feeling like you're a piece of shit and um, that you're not good at you know you're just wasting time and you know negative failure talk that uh, you know I'd love to say is like you can grow out of but it's part of it it's just i don't 
and I'm, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I just think it's the reality of like, if you want to go and, and, you know, make shit, you gotta, this is part of the, of that work. This is part of what it is, is you're going to feel like you fucking suck. And, uh, and you got to figure, get yourself out of it. And sometimes you feel really good and, and those moments are rare, but, um, but they're nice, but they're not the point. It's, that's not what makes it worth it because they're fleeting. And it's almost like as much as the negative ones are negative days are really bad and there's more of them. The positive days are few, but it all kind of balances out at the end. And those aren't, those are just byproducts of, um, you know, just doing this kind of shit. And, uh, and there's no way, there's no cure for it. Like that's, that's what I would, I think I would advise to my younger self, um, is that like the, it'll always be there. You just got to like learn to live with it, not fucking try to outsmart it or become so good at what you do that, that, um, that it, it never occurs again, you know, because it's just, it's not the same. They're, they're not as connected. Um, it's, it's something else. So kind of goes back to this, um, this thing about I'm working on now suddenly again, this thing about habit, I'm just adding to my post-it note here. It's like habit is like a lesser payoff. But it's a stability, less payoff. But there, but it makes, but it stabilizes you. And it's the habit of of making sh- shit, making shit. That's the best part when you get a when you get to do that all the time, when you get to spend your days as much time as possible making things. Uh, that's. That's the payoff. That's the best. Um, that's the point. That's the high. That's that's what you do this for. Is satisfying that need to talk. Like the fucking woman in the food court. <laughs> she Is what she's saying actually important to her? About retina cream and shit? No. It doesn't fucking matter. Like She's just talking shit. But... She needs to say it clearly. So that's my advice. Just get a get a fucking podcast, lady. Like, come on, you'll uh, you'll be better off. Anyway, habit. So so right when the first time I worked on with well, sorry when I wrote down this note about smaller payoff for a sketch and larger payoff for like a masterpiece, you know, something really good. I think I want to broaden the spectrum so that it's like negative 100 that's what what's important is like bad De- like defeat zero stability and a hundred is payoff Okay, so what I want to do is, 
I want to find a way to talk about the okay okay let me try to fucking figure this out um the the triangle that I was talking about and the pick two pick two and you'll make something good in retrospect one of those things will be great one out of ten say one out of a hundred I don't care what the metric there is doesn't matter every once in a while one will be really good but you don't get to decide that you just got to decide which method you, you use in order to make good stuff, in order to stabilize and keep the habit going. And then it's almost like that's the center. And then there's negative 100, which is like um, all the shitty defeat, self-talk, evil fucking... I suck. I'm the worst. Fucking what am I doing? I'm the worst writer in the world. I should never do this. I'm a complete failure. I hate myself. Da, 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 all this shit. Negative 100. You stable, you, you move away from that by having a, a habit and keep making work a little bit every day and finishing stuff and putting it out. So one of the biggest antidotes to that on my end is doing these daily posts. So... Sure, not every post is like, some of them are complete fucking garbage, but it doesn't matter because I just keep doing it. And that makes me happy. And that's, and that's stabilized me. Whereas if I never finish stuff and I only wait for the masterpieces to do it, you know, you'll hear a lot of artists say like, I would never release something unless it was, I thought it was great. It's like, well, fuck you. Like, you know, that's fine. But, um, like... I like to do things every day and I like to, you know, keep going. That's, that's what works for me. It's more fun. And then there's the, but if you don't slow down and work on something and really edit it and really make it perfect, you never get those high, high payoffs. So that's the paradigm that, uh, I want to make a video about that. I didn't quite, it didn't work out last week when I tried it on, on Thursday. Um, but I was also just made that cartoon and I was like, that's the best thing ever. So of course the next thing I tried to do was like, you know, I was pretty unfocused anyway. Uh, let's move to the next post. I have lots, lots going on. So, um, this one's called Cheese Blintzes. Today we went to our favorite, to one of our favorite grocery stores. We always go there and look at the sales. They have cheese blintzes that go on sale. Six ninety nine for six of them, instead of twelve ninety nine for six of them. I buy a pack every time they are on sale. I love eating them. Ever since I was a kid, cheese blintzes have been one of my favorite foods. And now, as I'm thinking of blintzes, I'm overwhelmed with happiness. My mom used to make them for me on my birthday every year. There's almost nothing as dear to me as that. There are certain things that are imprinted onto your being that bring you back to who you are. 
It is beyond sentiment. For me, it is cheese balances. I will hope to be there for our daughter as she figures it out. As she figures out what it is for her. Um, good. That's a very sentimental um, post that when I was writing it, I felt I was very much feeling and I was on the high of having put that cartoon out and really kind of I think that the character in the there's something to notice about um, the character in the in the cartoon and he's kind of like has this dialogue with his mom and she's like making him eat this soup and uh, I didn't notice the connection between the, the things but I guess like you know um, a post like this coming up after releasing that cartoon, the pressures of, I guess it's like the sentiment of the things when you were young that maybe your parent kind of a food that your parent used to cook for you or certain like memories that feel really sentimental. And then the aspiration of, um, or, or the ambition or, or the, neither of those are the right word. Um, the, the, who you end up being and how you feel like you've maybe succeeded or failed in the, in, um, in your life in, in through the perspective of maybe your parent of, did you make them proud or did you kind of blow it? Um, and, and that's a bit of, what that cartoon is about where the mom's like basically on his ass about finding a wife and um uh and making money <laughs> and he's like hey I, f I fucking suck at both of those things and uh you know the the kind of the fantasy of it is that at the end she tells him like hey listen like don't listen to anyone. You got to learn to listen to yourself, and that's how you'll, you'll, um, and that's how you mature, and that's how you become, uh, and that's that's the virtue is to do it that way. So the fantasy of it is like, you know, I don't know if people's parents are uh, that. What that's not necessarily how my life is. You know, I think it. My mom will always worry about me, and and uh, it, it's not necessarily easy for her that uh um that i decided to be a writer um but i got a great wife <laughs> but that wasn't always the case so you know this this short was about um about the adventure you know there's a lot of years where uh, that wasn't that wasn't how it was going so not only did i not have a I was, you know, whatever, getting broken up with. I also didn't have a career. And it's like, well, I guess I'm a piece of shit then. Um, blah, blah, blah. Negativity, negativity. Um, but on the more positive note, I was really thinking about like, damn, like those memories. Like, and for me, it was that food. She's eating those blintzes. Um 
it's still, I can think, I know that feeling better than anything, better than most anything. It's so, so very, um, it's so true, right? And I'm sure everyone's kind of got a memory like that. It's no, it's the fucking, you know, sled in, in the Orson Welles movie, um, Susan Kane, you know, whatever. Like, at the, he's like, he, uh, he, he fucking ruled the world and had all the fame and fortune is anyone could ever imagine and at the end of the day he just remembered that that fucking sled from when he was a kid so uh, you know this is um the the my fucking sled is a fucking blintz um <laughs> um yeah this is as much of a citizen this is my version of citizen kane is a is a poem called she's blintzes and uh <laughs> Um, and I guess, and I was thinking too, is that, um, it's so interesting, I guess, to be in a position where you have your own kid and inevitably like whatever life you live, like you'll have those things from when you were young that you cherished. Like there's no, even if you lived the most miserable fucking suffering childhood ever, like there's still going to be like, you know, Oh, you'll remember like a uh, the uh, small beam of sunlight that came into the cold, dark hole that you lived f- starving in for seven years. You know, it's so you'll still. I think that it's a human kind of like fact that you'll have something, regardless of you know the condition. Uh, I would love to talk to someone about why I'm wrong about that. Okay, now, how's my timing? I'm still trying to make this, I'm like so close to the hour. I, I really, I'm trying to get these close to um, the hour mark as much as possible. So it's not too bad, actually. Um, this one's called The Idiot Tree. Here's the new story that I've been working on. Oh, yeah, fuck. Okay, when I was going into my sub, uh, into my... Um, uh, tangents. When I went into those tangents, what I didn't um, come back and revisit was when I finished the cartoon, that big project that, you know, you always have that one project that's just like, it just keeps going and going and going. You keep returning to. Maybe it's like the, for me, it was blown off for a long time. I just couldn't let it go until it was like finished and I released it like like how that just happened and um you know now this triangle thing is kind of like needs a home i gotta do something with it it's i thought i could just trash it and it'd be over but it's still going and uh this narrative these like different uh points of narration that's another idea now that i need to make a thing about um and then there's this other one the idiot tree that i've been working on and i've been I've read a few passages from it on, on this podcast as well. That's kind of an upcoming one, but it's amazing what happens when, when you finish one of these projects. Oh, and another version is like these songs. If you're working, if you're like uh, playing the guitar, it's like kind of pick up where you left off. It's like, you need to get that idea through before you can move on to the next one. So I don't think that these ideas are bound by time. It's not like you can just, it's the, your muscle memory keeps them. You always need to develop it. 
So you see how those connect? Um, and one thing I really noticed that I've noticed before, but it's been a while since it was this distinct to me, was as soon as you, f you finish a project and get those that high payoff, then, um, okay, you get the endorphin rush and maybe that that's, okay, so there's a day of endorphins. And, um, and then it's amazing when this, there's new spaces made in your, in your mind, it's like time for a fresh project, how fast that can just flood and the next one comes in. But unless you, if you don't finish the thing you were already working on that problem, those new ideas have, they kind of like get a bit stuck or they, they don't have as much room to expand. And it feels like a really like, I know it's a really abstract kind of whatever idea, but, um, but I, it really feels true where like all that processing power in my brain computer, like once it finished process, going through the blue knob, putting that out, it's like all of a sudden when the idiot tree was allowed to be like the main projects, even within a day, it was like, it just sorted itself out so fast in a way that I didn't understand before. So again, yet another reason to not get stuck on making masterpieces and to just finish things um, and move on to, to new ones. I think it's really, really important. Anyway, here's uh, uh, the idiot tree. Here's the new story that I've been working on. It is about a man who lives alone in the woods. He goes into town to get gas from Costco and there is a big snowstorm. He ends up driving a woman home. She works at the Costco restaurant. He ends up getting her pregnant and now he needs to make money. So he takes some mushrooms from a tree in the woods. That's the idiot tree from the title and brings them to the farmer's market. He doesn't sell any of them. So he steals a bag of money from a Brinks truck. He drives until he runs out of gas and then he is lost. He meets an archaic cult. He learns that the money he stole is useless to them. Their currency is based around ritual sacrifices to their higher power. Eventually, he begins to understand and adopt their point of view and captures a very important animal. He is set free from the cult and finally returns home. His girlfriend, the woman from Costco who we got pregnant, suggests that it is probably best if he is a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> he agrees and realizes he probably should have been more patient with the mushrooms. That is more or less the story. The ritual sacrifice stuff I took from reading Exodus late last year. In those times, burning animals to a higher power was a very intense thing to do. Imagine having to hunt your own food and never really having enough, and then destroying it on purpose burning it to show your faith to a higher power. It is better to shop at Costco and get a hot dog from the restaurant there. As fictional as it all, as it all is, it's not really that fictional at the end of the day. Um, so that was a, a, that post, I think is pretty different. Uh, I wouldn't have let myself do it one like that um, before it's essentially synopsis of, of another story in the next cartoon, the next story that I want to turn into a cartoon. 
uh, similar to how I did the Blue Nile, the idiot tree, which I was originally thought was going to be like a long novel. That's what I set out to do. But I'm like, I don't think I need to do that. I think it's going to it'd be better off to just had so much fun making that cartoon. And it was just like, I know that like 150 people on YouTube is like literally pennies on the dollar. But like that's uh, to me, that's really good for you know where it's at right now and um instead of waiting years to get it published and then having it like that whole process is just not doesn't seem realistic to me at this point i think that in in my the way that i it's so much more interesting right now to just make cartoons for youtube and make a lot of them and just kind of get good at that and have anyone see it rather than having to go through the gatekeepers of the publishing industry and dealing with all of that. It just isn't fast enough. It's not, and it's not fun enough for me. Um, whereas this, this is, I get, it's just a different thing that I'm much more inspired by at the moment. And when I'm honest, like I'm still able to, to really say what I need to say through drawing it out in these really silly cartoons uh, with all these subtitles and then making a bunch of random music like it just kind of it was great I loved it and my ego there's a side of my ego that's like no write a serious long novel and do that whole thing but like I don't know if I think that that I can let it go for now um, and just write these stories in a, in a smaller way and I guess you know Let's try to land on our feet here. Um, as far as this whole types of narration that I'm talking about, and trying to understand like, okay, we have our different types of narrators that we can use in from the perspective of the literary device. Third person, omniscient, third person, second person, first person. How those then translate into video in podcasting, vlogging, kind of uh, animation or, you know, scripted, and then more like instructional YouTube video. It seems like there's a, a place for each of them. It's not a perfect system, but it, but I'm, to me, it's making a lot of sense. It's really helping me understand the, my workflow. And a fictional story like this one or to explain the synopsis of a fictional story is in, is very much about my life obviously it's like even the thing about the Costco restaurant and us having the our date you know there and everything I'm like oh yeah right so anyway like and having the you know obviously this idiot tree is very much uh, an expression of where I'm at with my life right now um and or i can just write like one of the rant like the valentine's day post from from this week where it's just like this these are the facts of what happened the thing about the fictional version of it about the idiot tree novel slash cartoon slash whatever the story of it is there's an ability to access a higher level of nuance and feeling through that method through the fictional method uh, 
than just writing it out like a diary entry and just giving you the facts. That's, it should be the opposite in a way, you know, if you think about the logic of it, you'd think that just telling the facts and the truth would more clearly explain um, the situation. Whereas in fact, the fiction of it and the bullshit and the making up this, the bullshit uh, imaginary stories, that's the way to really explain things in, in a specific way and to really communicate how it really feels. And that is the fucking best thing of all. So that's this week's episode. Um, check out the Blue Nile on YouTube. I'll put the link in the description. Um, it's on my website, www.joshuahillelbarski.com. J-O-S-H-U-A-H-I-L-L-E-L-B-A-R-S-K-Y.com. Take a look. I hope you like it. And, um, and thank you. And we'll see you again next week.